1: 97.3 CTFM, this is Eyewitness News from number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka here in Accra. With me, Ni Lati Lati. This evening, I'm here with
2: Akosia Otre.
1: In the next one hour and a half, hopes of Ghanaian mothers in dire need of vaccines for their children dashed as health minister fails to provide true state and specific timelines in addressing vaccine shortage in the country. Still on eyewitness news, another day of harsh military brutality, this time at a shaman, as soldiers invade the community after the lynching of a military officer. Also, T-bills auction in limbo as government rejects all bids demanding yields below 30%. And later, after seeing crocodiles in Paga, patrons of CTTV, City CTFM's City Heritage Caravan return to Tamale for dinner and a trip to the Red Clay studio. We join the Night as they wrap-up activities for the fourth day. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on these and other stories on Eyewitness News and in business.
3: The Africa Centre for Energy Policy calls for urgent measures to check recurring debt owed independent power producers.
1: That will be in 15 minutes with Nertili Netia Jahu for the top stories in the world of business. Eyewitness News is live across the country on our partner stations, Premier FM 100.5, Beach 105.5 FM and Sky Power 93.5 FM all in Takrade in the western region. If you are listening to us in the Bono region, this is Green FM 95.9 in Sunyane, Hamish Radio 106.5 FM in Goso in the Ahafu region. In the Asante region, welcome to Orange FM 107.9 in Kumase, Volta region. This is a pin radio 96.7 MHz in Pandu and Heritage FM 107.3 in Hohoi. In the Northern region, welcome to Dasoma 99.1 FM in Yendi. The FM 88.3 FM in Zwarungu in the Upper East region. West Link 88.1 FM in Laura in the Upper West region and North northeast region this is eagle fm 94.1 in Wally Wally. the show is also live on facebook on city 97.3 fm and also on youtube on city tube eyewitness news is interactive tell us what you make of the story share your views and thoughts via whatsapp on 0549 986 0549 986 996 this is eyewitness news or 97.3 ctfm. my name is ni lati lati here with akusa otri this evening our first story has to do with that press briefing by the health minister on ghana's vaccine shortage and akusa otri has that story
2: yes the health minister kweku ajuman menu has given assurances that ghana will take delivery of childhood vaccines in the coming weeks. Kwikwajiman Menu says all necessary arrangements have been made to ensure that the vaccines arrive in the country. Addressing a press conference a while ago, Kwikwajiman Menu says children will have their vaccines soon. Was that- he also denied reports that government owes vaccine man- manufacturers, hence the unavailability of the vaccines in the country.
1: This is still Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We'll be bringing you the voice of the Health Minister Kweku Kwe Kwe Ajman Menu, who has uh, briefed Ghanaians after he was excused in Parliament on Ghana's COVID, not COVID-19 but rather childhood a vaccine situation the minister has attributed the situation to global supply chain challenges and also he has said that there have been no deaths recorded as far as uh, measles is concerned kukwajima menu uh, was expected to be in parliament today but we understand that he has been excused so he addressed the nation as far as the issue is concerned during a press conference held at the behest of the Ministry of Information. So that press conference uh, will be hearing from the Health Minister very soon. But let's get a reaction on this same subject matter. Kwabna Minta Akando is ranking member. On the health committee of parliament he joins us on the line well uh, mr kandor your caucus has for the past days been putting pressure on the health minister to provide answers on the current situation of vaccines in the country today he's been able to provide some explanations will you say that these explanations satisfy you as a caucus well
4: thank you very much for having me and let me put that i have listened to portions of this explanation and it empty, it without pointing, and I am a, I'm I'm very sad as I a mean, to say the least. In his attempt to hurriedly come and respond to our demand for him to make vaccines available, I think he has made a mess of himself. Um, I heard you say that he has assured the good people of this country that he's going to make vaccines available. That is not true, because there are no timelines, and one thing we must all know is that this is an emergency issue. It looks as if government is joking with the lives of the future leaders of this country. Okay? Especially so when monies allocated for that purpose has been released. Especially so when he, the minister himself, the president, the vice president, all had their children in Unite and somebody created that opportunity for them, including their grandchildren. In fact, under some jurisdictions, this is a crime, to look aloof, uh, to allow shortage of vaccines in the country, and come and give us this explanation. I was hoping to hear at the end of the long submission that, ladies and gentlemen, we have taken delivery of some vaccines, and therefore, tomorrow, we are going to do the distribution of the vaccines to the length and breadth of this country now the minister cannot tell us when and that is to me that is the most important aspect when we are getting vaccines in this country and let i mean don't forget that vaccines are not any ordinary ordinary medications where people can walk to the pharmacy shop and buy it over the counter please this is a serious matter and the minister must stop joking the lives of vulnerable children in this country are at stake. The outbreak of measles started somewhere in 2022 October, four months clear, I mean, four months ago, and now we are again blaming the shortage of vaccines on COVID. I I I cannot simply imagine this. We are thinking about building cathedrals in this country we cannot afford vaccines we have if indeed we have money why are we not why are we and in fact let me tell you something if we have if we are in any jurisdiction what we should be thinking about is that the key planning about the procurement of vaccines and its deployment is that we plan in advance you don't wait till You need the vaccines before you plan. So, for example, we should have been thinking and planning about vaccines for 2023 in 2022. And once we have the shortages in 2022, what it means is that we fail to plan in 2021. That is what it is. I do not think that the minister himself understands what he was saying. Because there was no substance. Where is the vaccine?
1: Well, okay, Mr. Kando, one one of the fundamental issues we've actually raised is that the minister actually failed to provide clear timelines as to when we are going to get, uh, you know, vaccines in the country. In fact, he just said that efforts are being made within some few weeks. Within few weeks, all things being equal, vaccines will arrive in the country. We are actually looking for a clear timeline. But then also, do you get a sense, did the minister paint a picture clearly of what actually the situation is for us as a country? Did you get that?
4: No, he didn't say anything, no. The, the, the statement was hollow, was empty. There was no substance. There was no substance. The minister didn't even give us a breakdown. Even did he was he's on top of his briefs or issues, the minister should have told us when the outbreak started, uh, what districts we have recorded cases, how many we have now, the plans they are taking to I mean, provide the vaccines, when it to be available, the strategies for develop, uh, deployment. That is why we'll be saying that you're on top of issues. But you see, it is a pressure that is coming to bear on him. That is smoking him out to come and respond to these issues. But unfortunately, he's making a mess of himself. That's why I'm, I'm very sad as a Kenyan. Very, very, very sad. This is a very serious issue, and everybody is upset. Every child from zero to five years in this country is at a very high risk. Very, very high risk. And let me tell you one thing. You know, we have about 18 diseases that, I mean, attack uh, uh, children in this country or every part of the world, and therefore we provide vaccines for these diseases. Now, out of the 13, Gavi is co-financing about 10 out of the 13. We as a country, we are supposed to finance three. Three out of the 13. Now, you are telling me that it is only those three that, because of COVID, you are not getting in, every, in, every part of, uh, in any part of this country. What about the others that are available? Does it make sense? Do they think, I mean, we don't have any brains in our heads? They should stop provoking anybody in this country. They should stop it. They should provide us with the vaccines. And we're not going to stop. We are not going to end that. Not until we make vaccines available. We will we'll continue to put pressure. The uh, how, how are you said, going to do that? Yes, the minister, today, I told him in the face that if he refuses to address parliament, I will address the press. I told him, and I have told him again that he must appear before our committee on the 9th of this month. I think today is 7. So, on the 9th, he must appear before the Parliamentary Select Committee on the Health. And then, I may provide tangible, reasonable measures, as, clearly outlined. As for what he did today, I was just looking at it on the screen and I was just laughing in my office. Just laughing.
5: Uh, but well, he was expected to, uh, to be in time,
4: Parliament today to provide...
5: That,
1: hello, Mr. Hello. Kando. yeah.
4: Yes, at a point in time when I was listening to him, what he said was that I have alluded to the fact that uh, about 72 million Ghana cities have been made available to him for the procurement of the buses and therefore he was taking the media through how much has been released and that it has come to 71.8 million Ghana cities and so he says that how can... 71.8 million be compared to 72. Really? Who is Minister for Health?
5: Oh my God.
4: It's not a, it's not a joke. It's, it's a very serious matter. So you should be ready for the worst things to happen.
1: Well, as he Hello. prepares to be, uh, to be ready for the West, I'm, I, I'm just curious. Today, he was expected to be in Parliament to provide answers, but that didn't happen. And you are yes, still I'm insisting. Yes, I'm telling you the in...
4: reason why he has come to address the press today. He didn't make up his mind to come and address the press or the country today. He was, uh, he was supposed to appear. In fact, there was a question on the floor of the House. And he opted to read a statement. I said, no problem. You read a statement, we'll all take the issues one after the other on the floor of the House have a problem when i realized that he was not going to address the house i addressed the press so after representatives in parliament i addressed the press and outlined the issues and so because he he knew that those stories or those issues were going to run in the media he probably organized the press to address the country and unfortunately i think that anybody who advised him on what he said has done him a great disservice
1: So, is your next line of action going to be that you are going to? mm,
4: And are you going to issue a a subpoena this time around? Mm.
1: Well, be as it may. uh, Today, in your view, as you uh, indicate, the minister has failed to provide clear timelines and also uh, the real situation. As far as as the mm. so so, so what option? What option is left for us as a country, looking at how, in your view, the minister has handled this whole situation?
4: He has failed. You see, for the past four months, okay, if you had any responsible government, at least four months, even if the vaccines were crawling in any part of the country, it would have arrived in Ghana. Four months. In October 29th or so, October, that is when the first case was recorded in Bushiku, in the northern part of the country. Now it is fast spreading. He has no solution. We force him to have solution. He must have solution. Especially, okay. Let me agree that we don't owe anybody. We have even paid our money. Where is the vaccine? Where is the vaccine? Well, Why is it that only these three vaccines are in short supply, and that COVID didn't affect the other ten vaccines that Gavi is, is, is supplying? Why? Or those vaccines are not being produced. Uh, anywhere in the in the world, they are produced on Jupiter. I mean,
1: let's get serious in this country. I'm also aware that you've heard the minister explain as to the amount allocated—that's that million Ghana cities for the procurement of vaccines. He provided according some Ace explanation. Matthews, mm.
4: According to face mathematics, he says that he hasn't I was looking at him on the screen. He says that, and he gave the the, the batches, the tranches in which the payments were made. He indicated June, how much was paid in June. He indicated how much was paid in um, October. He indicated how much was paid in November, and then the last tranche was paid in December. As far as he is concerned, he has not taken 72, um, 72 million ganas has not been released. But what has been released is seventy-one point eight million ganas. Can you imagine? And so there's no way you can compare 71.8 million Ghana cities
6: to uh,
4: 72 million Ghana cities. And this is supposed to be an explanation why we shouldn't have vaccines in this country. And that we should listen to that reasonable, in quotes, reasonable explanation. Please, 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 with the greatest deal of respect, please.
1: So, in the coming days, what are we to expect from your caucus? I am saying
4: that as far as we are concerned, I am a member of parliament, ranking member of the Parliamentary Select Committee. I have some tools available at my disposal, and these are the tools I am using. You recall that somewhere last week, he was supposed to appear before the committee. He, he, he refused to appear. We compelled him, and he sent a delegation to appear, including the National Health Insurance Authority, and they didn't make sense before the committee. We asked them to go and bring their minister. And today, too, in his, I thought that I was going to, I mean, uh, get some responses from his press encounter. But unfortunately, he sounded like somebody without a solution to this particular, I mean, I mean, outbreak or emergency
1: issue. So if you say he has no solutions for this particular crisis currently before us, will you also subscribe yes, to calls? To uh,
5: to uh,
1: uh, Mr. Akandor, Aka, no, let, me, let me please finish my question. Go ahead. Will you then subscribe to calls that the health minister should be shown the exit uh, because of his poor management of the health situation of the country?
4: It's long overdue, my
1: friend.
4: Mm. Long overdue. In fact, if the president was any serious president, immediately the minister indicated that at the time of COVID he was not thinking right. That was when he should have been shown the exit. In any serious jurisdiction, he would spend more than a second in the office. In fact, if you have any any conscience by this time you would have resigned people are getting infected and they are in critical conditions and you are there happy saying that we have not recorded death and so what what to today should we sit down until somebody dies before we raise issues please the last i see himself rightly said, the last time we recorded death in measures was 2023
1: Two thousand and
4: three yeah, you mean. Yeah. Two thousand and three, sorry. Two thousand and three. That's we fought these colour diseases. We have achieved not less than ninety five percent coverage. Now you are coming to read all the success stories from What sort of person are you? So you are saying that we don't owe. I agree. If we don't owe, then we have we, we don't have a reason to have shortage of vaccines in this country, especially when Gavi is supplying. And let me also, again, let me also tell you this. Gavi, and the minister himself has ever briefed us as a committee on it. Gavi is saying that because Gama is a middle income status, they are going to withdraw from co-financing the other 10. And therefore we are going to, I mean, finance all the 13 ourselves. Now, if we cannot sponsor Terry, can you imagine what will happen if Gavi withdraws? Can you imagine? And let the minister come and tell you what I'm saying is not true. Let the minister come and tell him what what I'm saying is not true. He himself, at the point in time, that Gavi is considering withdrawing from supplying or co-financing our our vaccines in this country. So, please, the long, I mean, the long and short of the story is that we need vaccines. Why are the vaccines? The stories are not vaccines. We need vaccines so that the babies who are born, in fact, those who have been born for the past, I mean, four months and have been taken away from the health facilities, only God knows how we'll be able to reach them, even if we begin to have vaccines tomorrow.
1: On uh, this issue you raised, Mr. Akando, the, the minister actually disputed that. He said that plans are underway with Gavi to ensure that more vaccines are delivered and it's not true that they are planning to withdraw the supply of I'll some of so these vaccines.
4: And I would never and ever take this minister serious if indeed he said this. Because he himself. he himself. In fact, he even made a similar comment when we were looking at the um the the Vasan bill he made a similar comment uh, when he was trying to convince us the need for the establishment of the vassan institute that was one of the arguments he made that gavi is looking at withdrawing and therefore we should get to a point where we can produce or okay. have made this argument several times. i know i can get him on record even in parliament you should not forget that whatever he says can be on record and i even believe that some of you may even have his recordings on this one, it's an argument he makes often. It. An argument he
1: makes often. So I will be very surprised if indeed he said that. Oh, well, he, it is good you've yeah. mentioned the National Vaccine Institute. I just want to find out from you if that institute has a role to play as far as and the issue of vaccine shortage is concerned. Do you think uh, the time is ripe for us? As far as mm. I am concerned,
4: and as far as I know, we don't produce any vaccine in this country. Not a single one. Uh, it's uh, Atlantic Health Sciences who are trying to do some sneak uh, serum or something of that nature. But as far as I know, these vaccines we are talking about at the moment, including vaccines for COVID, none is produced in Ghana for now. But we have passed the bill
1: into an act. All right, it's a serious one there, but I want to leave it here. I uh, thank you so much. That's it's a
4: serious nice co- one that I think I and let me congratulate you, um, for showing so much interest in this matter. Uh, uh, CTFM, I think you've done so so well. I've spoken to you on a number of times on this matter, and that is what I, I expect of all everybody, everybody, everybody's at risk at this point in time, please, especially when um, Burkina Faso is unstable. And mothers are coming into Ghana with their babies and there's no way we can screen them to know whether or not they have been vaccinated. It's a very serious matter. Very, very serious matter. Thank you also for being vocal me. in
1: this fight and that anytime we call on you 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 make yourself available to provide us with some answers. People, but thank you. That's Kwab Kandor. He is ranking member on the health committee of Parliament and uh, reacting to the health ministers briefing on vaccine shortage in the country. Let's now refresh your minds on what the health minister, Kukwajman Menu, said when he addressed the press a while ago.
0: The Minister of Health has been seriously concerned about the shortage of some childhood vaccines and the effect on the vaccination program in the country. This is a major source of worry for the ministry, partners, caregivers, and the population. We are aware of the implications of the shortages, including disease outbreaks and effects on child survival. The expanded program on immunization, EPI, has been a flagship disease control program in the country and arguably one of the best programs, if not the best in the sub-region with high coverage levels of over 95%. We have an established system for forecasting, procurement, supply, and distribution of routine vaccines and monitoring their use. Distinguished Ladies and gentlemen, it is true that we have had some vaccine shortages in the country since the last quarter of 2022. The vaccines in short supply are BCG, measles rubella, and oral polio vaccine, OPV. This shortage is nationwide the recent shortage in vaccines for measles as regrettably regrettably as it is is symptomatic of the steady global decline in measles vaccination since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic and permit me to quote from a WHO recent publication on the subject that puts the challenge we are dealing with into perspective and I will quote measles vaccination Coverage has steadily declined since the beginning of the COVID 19 pandemic. In 2021, a record high of nearly 40 million children missed a measles vaccine dose. 25 million children missed their first dose, and an additional 14.7 million children missed their second dose. A joint publication by the World Health Organization and the United States Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports. This decline is a significant setback in global progress towards achieving and maintaining measles elimination and leaves millions of children susceptible to infection. In 2021, there were an estimated 9 million cases and 128,000 deaths from measles worldwide. 22 countries experienced large and disruptive outbreaks. Declines in vaccine coverage weakened measles surveillance and continued interruptions and delays in immunization activities due to COVID-19, as well as persistent large outbreaks in 2022. Meaning that measles is an imminent threat in every region of the world. The paradox of the pandemic is that while vaccines against COVID-19 were developed in record time and, developed and deployed in the largest vaccination campaign in history, Routine immunization programs were badly disrupted. And millions of kids missed out of life-saving vaccinations against deadly diseases like measles. This was said by the WHO Director General, Dr. Tedros Gabriosis. Getting immunization programs back on track is absolutely critical. Behind every statistic in this report is a child at risk. Of a preventable disease. This was published on 23rd November 2022. It's a joint news release between WHO and the United States CDC. Ladies and gentlemen, Ghana's Minister of Health has been making efforts to ensure we secure adequate stocks of vaccines despite this global challenge. We have made all necessary efforts to ensure that despite these challenges, we secure adequate stocks within the next few weeks. It is important to correct the erroneous impression that there have been deaths from measles in Ghana recently, for the avoidance of doubt. There have been no deaths from the recently recorded spike in measles cases. Indeed, there have been no deaths since 2003 in our country, though we have recorded cases annually. Finally, despite the challenge, Ghana's immunization coverage remains among the best in the world and in 2021 we recorded 95% coverage. Working with UNICEF, we are fast-tracking the processes and it is expected that vaccines will be supplied in the next few weeks, all things being equal. The Minister of Health, ladies and gentlemen, will ensure that we stay on track with immunization record and quickly overcome this, these bottlenecks. On 29 June 2022, part transfer of funds to Settle Ghana Co-Financing and Cost of Traditional Vaccines and Devices for 2022 from NHIA, 25 million Ghana cities. On 7 October 2022, payment for transfer of funds to UNICEF. To settle Ghana's co-financing and cost of traditional vaccines 10 million 750,000. Ghana city 22nd november 2022 part settlement of gog co-finance obligation traditional vaccines and devices 30 million, 111 december 2022 when the year was coming to an end and we needed to ramp up our i mean monies that nhia should give us we also did under-transfer a similar narrative, 23 million Ghana city. In all, we have a total of 71,861,000. How does it compare with 72 million? Apparently just about the same.
1: That's Health Minister Kwiku Ajman Menu in that uh, press briefing a while ago at the Ministry of Information, giving assurances that Ghana will actually take delivery of childhood vaccines in the coming weeks It's also denied reports that government owes vaccine manufacturers hence the unavailability of the vaccines this is still eyewitness news on 97.3 ctfm return with more stories eyewitness news be there as it happens
4: let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash city 97.3. Twitter at Twitter.com forward slash city 973. And Instagram at Instagram.com forward slash city
1: 973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News. Welcome back, 97.3 CTFM. Still Eyewitness News live from our studios at number 11. Dr. Martin Lube in Adabraka here in Accra. My name is Ni Latte Latte here tonight with Akusia Ocho. Let's now take you to Ashaiman uh, because this morning some soldiers besieged the community and attacked residents preventing others from stepping out of their homes following what they say uh, was an attack on a military officer that led to his death in the area over the weekend. A lot of reactions have been coming in. Let's get one from the Member of Parliament for the area, Ernest Nogwe. Good evening to you, sir, and thank you for joining us. Well, uh, since morning and now, what can you tell us in terms of updates, what has changed in your constituency uh, when the soldiers invaded the community?
7: Well, uh, since morning till now, I can tell you, come and re- returned to the constituency. Uh, everything is calm now, but just unfortunately, a uh, number of the residents were taken away uh, to unknown destination and we are making frantic efforts to get the source of or where where they have been taken to and so as we speak now there's there's nothing like a a military presence in the community but all that we we are seeking to identify or to do is to locate the place where the number of people about 72 who were taken away were sent to
1: and so for those who have not been able to follow the story and are hearing it for the very first time are you able to mm. paint a picture for us what exactly well, happened
7: yes. i think about uh 3 30 a.m this morning i had a call from desperate residents that they were i uh, men invaded the whole community of official town area of the And that is where I also live. So quickly, I have to wake up to understand the veracity of the whole issue. I called the police commander, and then uh, he also ascertained the fact. And so when we probe further, we realized that it was as a result of the killing of uh, one of their own. Uh, That was on Saturday dawn uh, in a shaman community. Whichever might have necessitated the killing, uh, one may not tell. The police is still investigating. So... The whole invasion was a reprisal of of what happened on the uh, on that Saturday, and in fact, it was terrible because innocent uh, civilians, innocent citizens, people who might have not known anything about the whole incident, people who might have not had any relation to the killing of the the soldier, were also brutalized today, molested. Uh, uh, in fact, it, that, we we can term it as a heinous crime against humanity because. When you look at the picture, you look at the videos, you, you can understand the point of view I'm coming from. And uh, we say that the, the, the military acted illegally. It was unlawful for them to invade the community based on the demise of one soul, which we all condemn with you no know, uncertain terms, and to brutalize people who might have no have any uh, relation to what happened on Saturday. Innocent citizens and we also believe that the police have the capacity to investigate this matter. And so the military was not supposed to take the law into their hands by coming to the community. People, men, women, people who are going out doing their daily duties, market women, men, and people who are going to work, people who are going to school, were all molested and, I mean, brutalized, and which is uncalled for and unlawful.
1: And so, as we speak, uh, do you know under whose orders uh, these military officers came into the community to uh, do what exactly they did to the residents?
7: That's the unfortunate incident. When the, the the matter came up, when I had the first call, I placed a call to the CBS. It rang severaly. He didn't. Uh, he was not able to uh, respond to it. But fortunately for me, I was able to get the the, the deputy minister who was also amazed about the whole incident. But I can I can assure you that it, it must be a, a command from the highest level because other than that, you wouldn't have a helicopter, you wouldn't have a armored cars, you wouldn't have vehicles, uh, I mean, military vehicles invading the, the whole community. Who would have sanctioned that? It could only be from the highest, highest authority. And so I cannot lay my hands, I cannot say emphatically that it is A or B, but I can tell you it is from the high command.
1: And have you heard from them?
7: I haven't heard from them ever since. I, what I, are you I, waiting uh, for? Because I made frantic efforts to get them and have to as I speak with you to no avail. I call, as I said, I call the CDS and the, the, even the minister himself. The uh, minister's phone was not going to CDS, was unable to return my call. As I speak with you, even the commanding officer at the Michel camp was also unable to return my call as you speak with you now. Interesting. So I made frantic efforts to get in touch with all of them. Uh, they are all, all my good friends. I made frantic efforts to get in touch with them, but to no avail. And that mm-hmm. is what is making me suspect that this is not just a, uh, I mean, a military man who invaded the community, but rather sanctioned by the authorities.
1: Mm. but have you also heard from the police in fact if they've taken over investigations have they intervened
7: yeah the police the police intervened from the very first day the incident happened and they were trying to they were they were. They started investigation until what uh the incident this morning and so it was the police who normally briefed me on how far investigation has gone the arrest that that was made uh, i understand the the girlfriend of the disease was picked up for questioning Etc. So I got all this briefing from the, the the divisional and then the district police command.
1: So what's going to be the next step from you as far as this issue is concerned? What are yes, you going to do for the this, people you this, represent?
7: Thank you. This afternoon I, I, I tried to make a, a pronouncement on the floor of the house. I presented a statement to the speaker. The speaker admitted it and mm. uh, I tried to draw, draw his attention uh, this afternoon. He was of the view that we is making uh, further investigations to know the veracity of the, the, the problem and also get enough facts. And so he gave me up to probably Thursday to come out with the statement. So all that I want the speaker to do is to refer the matter to the uh, Defense and Interior Committee or constitute a parliamentary probe into the matter, the invasion of Ashama community. Because we believe, or I believe, that a, a crime of one single person who has taken the law into his hands, which I condemn, should not warrant or necessitate the whole invasion uh, on the community by, 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 I mean, molesting innocent uh, souls, uh, also preventing them from going about their daily activities. I believe strongly that should not warrant it. Two laws never make a right, and I believe so. So I'm just urging the speaker to constitute either parliamentary probe or refer the matter to the Defense and Interior Committee Uh, to investigate, which I know we are capable. I am a member of the Defense and Interior Committee, and we are capable of doing this because we have done it before. When the Kumasi incident happened, uh, we were able to come out with uh, facts that have, uh, I mean, otherwise uh, given a different version by the police and the other security agencies. We were able to bring out the actual facts of the issue. So I know we can still do the same when this matter is referred to the committee
1: quickly before you take leave of us uh, mr nobe uh, are you able to tell us in terms of uh, persons who have been injured as a result of this particular incident and also we know that some arrests were made have these persons been released where were they taken to what can you tell us about the arrests that were earlier made the,
7: the arrest the these people were not released yet and that is what i said that uh, they were taken to unknown destination uh, we followed up to uh, Michelle Camp, and according to the officers, they, they were not brought there. The police say they were not uh, brought to them. And so I'm just on my way to Burma Camp to see whether they could be found there. And so for the arrest, we don't know where they are as we speak now. But the number of people, the number of injuries, they are enormous because we, we have series of complaints from... Uh, many of the clinics and the hospitals in Ashaman. and we are gathering the uh, the evidence to to that effect. So I may be able to tell you the number of people who were injured and who are uh, I mean receiving uh, medical attention as we speak now, probably by tomorrow morning.
1: All right, that's Enes Nogu, Member of Parliament for the people of Asherman, here in the Greater Accra region. James Agalga is ranking member on the Defence and Interior Committee of Parliament. He also joins us for a conversation on this same disturbing subject matter. Mr Agalga, this development that unfolded earlier this morning should be a major source of worry, isn't it?
4: Well, it is. Um, I'd like to start by expressing my deepest condolence to the family of the soldier who was uh, uh, murdered in cold blood in a shaman. And, of course, I would like to extend my condolence to the uh, military high command in respect of the loss of the soldier in in question. But, But, look, having said that, I would be quick to add that what happened in a shaman at dawn is a blot on democratic governance in this country. I, I mean, it's a shame for the military to also take the law into their hands, storm a shaman, and mete out brutalities on anybody who came in sight. I mean, that behavior can be really tolerated. I thought that after the unfortunate incident that happened in Uwa, where the, some soldiers took the law into their hands, molested uh, uh, um, the people of Uwa, simply because uh, a, a soldier's phone had been snatched by some armed robber, which then triggered uh, a parliamentary proof, would have um, served as some uh, form of deterrent to like-minded soldiers from taking the law into their hands, uh, whenever crimes are committed against soldiers, you see. So this morning, the news actually came to me as a shock. I, I thought that lessons would have been learnt by now, but unfortunately, it appears lessons have not been learnt after the war incident. I, 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 I can understand how the soldiers feel. A soldier in uniform is accosted and stabbed to death. It's very worrying. But you see, this country is governed by the rule of law. And so when uh, a crime is committed, the the matter falls squarely within the province of the police. And I heard my my brother, Hannibal Nobu, speak, and he made it very clear that the police had commenced investigations into the matter. One would have expected that the um, army, the military, would have collaborated with the police to fish out for the suspects, bring them before our law courts, prosecute them if enough evidence is established against them, so that appropriately the judiciary would deal with the, whoever is tagged in connection with the, the murder of the, the, the soldier in issue. Unfortunately, that is not what happened. <laughs> Some soldiers took the law into their hands, went into a shaman, and beat just anybody inside. I saw some of the videos, and uh, the videos are very worrying. I mean, you see women and children being flocked, and this day and age, I think that professionalism was thrown to the dogs. And something needs to be done urgently. Our the reputation of our, our of our armed forces that take care. Something must be done to uh, ensure that we don't have the repetition of um, these things. The speaker uh, uh,
1: but, but, but Mr. Agauga, these lessons you say haven't been learned, are they because Parliament has actually failed in addressing these issues? Because I'm asking, because your co-member on the committee who doubles as the member of Parliament for the people, Ernest Nogwe, is saying that he is going to ask the Speaker to refer the conduct of these military men to the Defence and Interior Committee of Parliament. You sit, you bring out your recommendations, and then it's business as usual.
4: Who says it's business as usual? And why are you quick to apportion blame when the war incident happened? Parliament worked to ensure that justice was done in the sense that they participated in meeting out brutalities to the people of war, who were punished accordingly. I mean, look, there was one sergeant who was reduced in rank from sergeant to a private soldier. You see, and so something was done in, in, in connection with the war incident. So parliament acted. Parliament moved all the way, its Committee for Defense and Interior. The committee, I, I, I serve as a ranking member. We traveled all the way to war, did a thorough investigation, were, were apprised of the facts. But even before we proceeded, the, the military itself had taken some initial steps, and and those steps culminated. Eventually, in 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 the uh, punishment that was administered, so a similar incident has happened, and I'm saying that, given the fact that people suffered, people soldiers paid a certain price for misconduct uh, in 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 the case of war. One 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 would have thought that some useful lessons would have been learned, but it appears as though uh, after war, useful lessons have not been learned. Now we're saying that. Parliament must act. The Speaker is seized with a statement uh, uh, that has been admitted, which statement came from my uh, brother, from my chairman, Honorable Nobu. Let's wait and see, let's see what steps or what directives the Speaker would give if the Speaker uh, so desires and orders that the Committee for Defense and Interior looks into the matter. We shall, we will look into the matter. Even if the Speaker doesn't direct the committee has the power we would definitely uh institute a probe into what happened at the shaman uh and, and come out with recommendations implementable recommendations to ensure that professionalism you know within the ranks of our military is not compromised
1: very well we look forward to that uh, that's james agaga a ranking member on the defense and into committee of parliament still eyewitness news
2: The Acting Chief Executive Officer of the Northern Development Authority, Sumaila Abdul Rahman, has resigned from his position. In a letter announcing his resignation, he said a decision has become necessary to enable him to deal with the judicial process currently taking place without interference. Mr. Abdul Rahman is facing trial for alleged procurement breaches. His prosecution with four others follows a directive by the Office of the Special Prosecutor after an investigation was conducted into suspected corruption and corruption related offenses at the Northern Development Authority. Finally, the Free Senior High School Secretariat says it will soon shut down the school placement centre in Accra as it has resolved all of the complaints brought before it. The Secretariat earlier anticipated running the centre for six weeks. However, due to the low numbers recently, it has decided to shut down the centre. Deputy Coordinator for the Free Senior High School Programme, Nana Afrasi Kamensa, reiterated that all challenges associated with a computerised school selection placement system have been resolved.
4: Oh, I think today, I think with the second number of people who are here, we have about 20 people here. We've resolved all the issues, so I think now students are in the few ones that are coming in. We are here to figure how how we're going to eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, initially we said we would spend about here looking at the way things are going either we will flow to or probably so next week to be the last I think mm-hmm. so far we resolve all the issues and then we don't have one from these
2: issues That was Deputy Coordinator for the Free Senior High School Programme, Nana Afrasi Kamensa.
1: 97.3 CTFM. This is eyewitness news live from our studios at number 11, Dr. martin Loop in Adabraka here in Accra. My name is Ni Lati Lati here tonight with Akosuya Autry. Still to come, we have the very latest in the world of business with Netile Neti Ajaho. And then on point blank, uh, we joined the Night as they wrap up activities for day four. Of CTTVs and CTFM's Heritage Caravan as they return to Tamale from Paga, and then also we bring you that story involving government rejection of all bids as far as T Bills auction is concerned because they are demanding yields below thirty percent. Don't go away.
4: Eyewitness News, be there as it happens.
0: Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed.
3: Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nettilene Ajahu. Let's settle for the details. The Africa Centre for Energy Policy has asked government to put in place measures to check the recurring debt it owes the independent power producers. Government has recently assured the IPPs that it is taking the necessary steps to address the energy sector areas as part of its external debt restructuring. In a letter to the IPP signed by the Finance Minister, Ken Furiata, government said it has ruled out a raft of structural reforms aimed at generating sufficient cash to ensure payments in line with the respective power purchase agreements. But speaking to City News on the issue... Executive Director of ACER Benjamin Watches says it must ensure the areas owed the IPPs are paid.
8: These ITPs have, you know, delivered a service. You didn't take, uh, didn't give a loan uh, to Ghana government. They delivered the a service and they have to be paid for the service. And so I'm surprised
4: that, you know, the debt restructuring arrangement uh, would affect or impact uh, companies that have delivered service and, you know, require uh, to be paid for that service. For me, the
8: problem is not even the outstanding balance, you know, that has to be paid. The problem is a recurrent debt that is being accumulated because even as we speak, more debt is been accumulated in the, in the power sector. So how do you address that shortfall going forward? I don't think the uh, cash flow mechanism that has been stated in the relief of the uh, finance minister addresses anything. I mean, we have had this uh, for almost four years now, and we still see the problem of under-recoveries persisting. This year, uh, last year alone, uh, the total under-recoveries were in excess of $2 billion. The outstanding uh, is about $1.3 billion. So even if you bring it down to, say, $1 billion, assuming that you were able to do some magic to break it down who is going to pay for that and how is it
3: going to be paid for and that is the substantial conversation that we need to have that was the executive director of the africa center for energy policy benjamin boache the greater Accra poultry farmers association is calling on government to sustain a clearer policy implementation with respect to the growth of the poultry sector this comes on the back of government's pledge to invest some $541 $541 million to improve the poultry industry in line with one of the key resolutions of the recently held Dakar 2 Summit in Senegal. But in an interview, a City Business News Vice President of the Association Kwame in Tim urged governments to move from the rhetoric and ensure that all policies are fully executed to the latter.
8: That is good news. That is as usual. And it is different um, hearing the news and it's a different thing. Seeing it implemented and monitored, evaluated, and seeing that it is beneficial or there is a value for that investment. That has been the problem. I believe that good policies are also good, beneficial to the entire nation, the people in the country. But you must do this on some known information, some statistics. What form the basis, the decision for investing the 500 million? Country? We are just about 31 33 million people. We have everything it takes to do with this, to achieve this, to produce... In our poultry means uh, poultry, uh, products to meet the demand, the consumption of the people of Ghana. So it's not something we can do. But it's been quite too long talking, talking, talking without seeing anything implemented on the ground to make sure what we said it's achievable, achievable, or can be achieved. And that has been the, the problem. It's always the talking, the hearing. We hear this. Um, we don't know what happens, and every year, two years, the same thing. This is not the first time. We want to see success, part of this investment or this policy or this announcement.
3: Meanwhile, the association continues to lament the high cost of feeding, which underpins the unfavorable prices of locally produced poultry on the market.
8: If the government supports it from stage one to stage Z, stage one, I mean everything it, it takes to hatch the day orchids in Ghana, everything it takes to make sure all veterinary services are available, all uh, the raw material, the, the serious issue with poultry farming is feeding the birds. Maize is so expensive, soya yeah, bean is so expensive, you can't go there. And this underpinning the high prices for the product on the market. The feeding is about 90% of the cost of the poultry business. And if the major raw materials into the feed uh, production, that is maize and soya yeah, bean, is brought so low, it will be so affordable, so, I mean, in terms of health, better than the ones we import from outside. But sometimes it's because of the price and it's because of the policy. That is not that she supported.
3: That was the Vice President of the Greater Crop Poultry Farmers Association, Kwame Intim Dodu. As the president is expected to deliver the state of the nation's address, the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers Ghana says it expects further clarity on the gold for oil policy. The initiative was introduced by government as part of efforts to check the rising cost of fuel in the country. However, various stakeholders have called for more information on its implementation. Speaking to City Business News Executive Secretary of COPEC, Duncan Amwa, Stress that clearing up the ambiguities in the policy is critical to ensuring its success.
9: One would also expect the government to come clear on the gold for oil program which uh, seem not to have any particular blueprint. People have asked very relevant questions. Uh, when you ask the institutions involved they direct you to the next institution because they do not have answers. Is it simply a matter of giving Bank of Ghana money to uh, bust to trade uh, that we would think should be causing a lot of problems for all of us and so we'll be very happy to hear uh, Mr. President come clean on what exactly the government is doing with this gold for oil program and what Ghanaians should expect if there are any contractual lines uh, that we need to be made aware of how we've selected people to supply us products. We think that the president uh, will be in the best uh, position to speak to these matters that the public and civil society actors have been asking critical questions of lately.
3: That was Executive Secretary of COPEC, Duncan Amor. An economist, Professor Eric Asibi-Yabwa, calling for the implementation of fiscal consolidation measures as part of efforts to help revive the ailing economy. The economist reiterated the need for government to drastically reduce its expenditure and formulate ways of widening the country's tax net, as that is crucial to tackling the current economic crisis. Professor Eric Kasibi was speaking to City Business News on the sidelines of an event in Accra and urged government to cut costs to save the public purse. We need to
5: bring your expenditure down, and we need to do this because of the now the current rigidity in our expenditure space, right? And so one of it is what government is trying to do with the debt restructuring uh, program to reduce our interest payments but also have issues with compensation salaries and wages compensation which remains very high right so we need to find a way of ensuring that we significantly reduce that so if there are uh, the public sector is overstaffed then you know then we need some kind of rationalization within the public sector uh, by way of you can Call it cutting down ministers, or ensuring that uh, people who do not have direct bearing on the on the, the administrative processes are out and all of that. Because cutting expenditure goes beyond that; it also means that you know ensuring va- value for money in whatever investment that you are doing, you know efficiency in your investment processes, and reprioritization, moving away from poorly targeted social protection programs to more. Targeted one that really has impact. That
3: was Professor Eric Asibi-Yabwa speaking there. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Netelineti Ajaho. Up next is Point Blank.
6: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
1: 97.3 CTFM. This is still eyewitness news. Time now for point blank. And tonight we have two issues for you. One is an update from day four of City TV and CTFM's Heritage Caravan. Patrons we learn have arrived at Tamale for dinner and then also make a trip to the Red Clay studio. But before we touch base with them, there is this emerging story that the government has actually rejected all the bids for the sale of treasury bills from investors. Well, government took the decision because the 35% plus interest that the investors, mainly made up of banks, were quoting, were too expensive. What really does this mean? Let's get explanations from Joe Jackson, Director of Business Strategy at Dalex Finance. Good evening to you, Mr. Jackson, and thank you for joining us on Point Blank on Eyewitness News.
4: Good evening. Good evening, and good. to uh, shout out to all your listeners and those of uh, your colleagues on the Heritage mm. uh, Trip.
1: Very well. They enjoy it without me.
4: You see, it's okay. We'll find a way for me and you to enjoy locally.
1: Very well. But Mr. Jackson, for education purposes, what really are we learning that a government has rejected all bills? In fact, it wants yields below 30%. What really does this mean?
4: Okay, now you may recall that over the last
1: few weeks,
4: uh, I have been leading a call for us to re-examine the How much the government is paying for treasury bills, and we had the government had been paying in excess of uh, thirty-five percent on average for key bills. Now the argument was simply this: this was a government that found it difficult to pay bonds at nineteen percent, multi-year bonds, is now uh, offering is now taking up debt. In buying money from in the form of T bills from the public in excess of, if I went as high as 36% and more. And what really had some of us worried was that since December, the beginning of December, the government had bought 33 billion in treasury bills. And by the time these treasury bills mature, they would have paid. 4.4 Uh, 4.4 uh, 4 billion in costs. Of course, this was getting excessive, so we urged caution both on the part of the government and on the part of the public that was pumping the government with and these bills were and these treasury bills were oversubscribed, which means more people wanted them than even were available. So last, while these calls were continuing to urging caution, urging caution, on Friday last week. The government did another auction of T-bills and received bids uh, all in excess of 35%. This Now we got the good news that the government rejected the bids and says, I won't take any T-bills in excess of 35%. If you want me to take your money and pay you, I will only do this at rates lower than 30%. And so rejected all these uh, bids. And there was going to be a re-auction today at 11. We haven't had the results yet, but we are hopeful that the rate has come down considerably. And we are praying that not only will it come down below 30%, it will come down below 25%. At that rate, then we have an issue where the bills cost much less to the public purse. To, serve, to, 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 to borrow for the government. Because it's, it's hard. If we can't pay our debts at a weighted average cost of 19% and have defaulted and have to do a debt exchange program, a domestic debt exchange program, how are we going to pay 35, 36% payable in 90 day, 91 days and 182 days? That was just
9: crazy.
1: But in your view, this lower rate you are advocating for, does the government have the capacity to pay if uh, the the rate actually is reduced further to the 20% you are talking about?
4: Well, listen, whatever it is, it has more of a capacity to pay at this lower rate than at the higher rates. The higher rates were crazy. The higher rates were definitely crazy. So, whatever it is, I I am a big advocate for the lower
1: rates. But this oversubscription of the treasury bills that we are seeing, is it not as a result of the high interest rate? Uh, now that uh, uh, the government is actually looking for it to yields lower than what the banks are actually proposing, do you see a lot of interest in the subscription of uh, treasury bills going forward?
4: Now listen, the fact that it was oversubscribed means there was more than you needed. That is a signal for you to reduce the rate. It's a signal for you to reduce the rate. More people are offering you money than you need. That's the time to come and say, so I'll pay less. And those who don't have the appetite for it, let them go out. In any case, what are we trying to do? Once again, by taking up all these treasury bills, we are crowding out credit to the private sector, making it so very expensive. And we have our banks and other institutions who take your uh, 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 um, savings and other deposits at a low rate, just go and hand it to the government at 35-36%, do nothing, and reap profits. That can't be right. We must fund the, the the private sector. We must drop rates so that in this era, money will go to the private sector to grow it even as we are in this kind of economic downturn. Those rates were crazy. Those rates didn't make sense. Those rates were costing the government, uh, uh, the public purse, too much in interest. This new, the rejection by the government And the attempted reduction in rates is great. And I applaud all those who have been involved in it. And I pray that the rate will go down even lower.
1: But but Mr. Jackson, who will be losing out in this whole situation? I'm asking because I know government relies heavily on Treasury bill subscription to raise revenue now that it is actually rejecting this and then this will maybe educate us what will it mean for government and revenue generation going forward
4: first of all the treasury bills were oversubscribed so the government should still be able to get the money it requires secondly the uh, uh, rates have, will come down so you and i who contribute to the public purse, should have our public purse paying less in interest rates who are those who lose out There are those with excess funds who want to make supernormal profit selling their funds to the government at supernormal rates. Unfortunately, if they lose out, they don't have my sympathy because ultimately the cost to the public purse is killing us. Ultimately, we are in an economic downturn because of the challenges we've had with debt. So... I have little or no sympathy for those who are losing out. All my sympathy is with the public purse and the fact that we'll be paying less for the amount that we borrow.
1: So essentially falls in line with this whole domestic debt exchange programme. Is that what it we are does. seeing?
4: It does. It does.
1: But if we turn the tables uh, around, uh, what implication does this also have for uh, the financial institutions, the banks, uh, who take this particular you know, treasury bills on behalf of government?
4: Well, the, the financial institutions will have to decide that if they want uh, more money, then they have to lend and do some hard work, uh, uh, taking risk with the private sector. Not this Take the money, give it to governments, receive thirty-five percent, and sit at home and enjoy profits. That can't be banking. That can't be developing our our, our uh, economy. If the rates drop, better still for you. The rates, lending rates, will drop for anybody who wants to borrow. That can only be good for the private sector. That can also that can only be good for you. Who is borrowing some money from the bank either as a salary worker or as an sme all
1: right so government in the coming days or actually has already reopened uh, the tenor for the auction is that correct
4: it has i mm. believe that that was also supposed to be done at 11 today mm. we are waiting to find out what the results were i'm sure we'll see them tomorrow morning on the on the bank of Ghana website or published in the News media,
1: all right, thank you. That's Joe Jackson, director of business strategy of Dalex Finance, explaining in simple terms a government rejection of all bids in the T Bills auction because of a high rate of 35 percent. Government says it cannot handle that and then wants a yield below that 30 uh, percent so that's explanation uh, joe jackson uh, director of business strategy or uh, at dalex finance is actually giving us here on point blank on eyewitness news <laughs> Point blank on eyewitness news on 97.3 CTFM. Away from that, a financial issue. Let's talk about excitement and fun now and catch up with the Heritage Caravan 2023. We are learning that they are already in Tamale in the Northern region. They are going to have some lunch, dinner rather. And then also take a trip to the red clay studio in tamale fred duho is still a man on the ground she joins us on the line well fred you are returning to tamale uh, to catch a glimpse of the red clay studio there tell us more
8: nila they've gotten to tamale and patrons are currently enjoying themselves with the meal that has been prepared um if you should uh, I am. I am. I am. In, in fact, the whole day I've not eaten. <laughs> in fact, we'll bring you a piece when
4: we are coming. Do well uh, to bring so, it. Uh, the whole trip has been well planned. Where we woke up in the morning, we went straight to Paga. Uh, after our breakfast, um, we went to Paga where we paid a courtesy call on the chief of Paga. And uh, I must uh, add that he actually made a call on CT FMC TV to use uh, our platform to um, in 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 one way or the other call on government to uh, speed up the work they want to do on the Bogatanga or uh, Burkina Faso border, I I I should say that he's he's actually worried that When people cross from the Burkina Faso side into Ghana, there is no sign on the Ghana side. And that is a cause for worry. So he believes that there should be that identity. That thing that signifies that this is a border town. Uh, When you enter into Ghana, there is that feeling that you are in another country. That gives us the pride. And even any foreigner entering Ghana to know that indeed they've crossed into another territory. That is non-existent as we speak. We've visited the border ourselves to witness it and we've seen that aside immigration officials that are the border posts or Ghanaian personnel that uh, are stationed at the border post, nothing significantly is there to indicate to you that you've arrived in another country. And that is, of course, for worry uh, for the Paga chief. From the, uh, paying the call on him, we moved straight to the Paga crocodile pond where patrons had the opportunity to take pictures with the crocodiles, and um, they were so excited, I must put on record. Their feeling was kind of a mixed feeling because some were scared at the, uh, at the point, but they must have courage, uh, courage to uh, proceed and take pictures with the crocodiles. From that end, we made our way to Tamale. We got to Tamale some uh, one hour ago, where they are being treated to some local dishes and they are enjoying themselves from here they will take their shower and we see uh, all of us will go to the red clay studios uh, where ibrahim mahama is expecting us and by ibrahim mahama you know that i am referring to the artist uh, and he is waiting patiently and this will be streamed live on city tv which we urge uh, our listeners at this moment and viewers on CDTV to stay glued to their TV sets, uh, and we'll be bringing them that live coverage. But I-, I think we can't do this without speaking to some of the patrons at Certainly. this hour.
6: Mm. They
4: have been uh, with us throughout the entire journey. They've been enjoying this whole trip. Heritage Month is about Ghana, and they are also sharing this experience with CTFM City, CDTV.
1: City, mm. Let's hear Look from them.
4: City, I news.
10: Hi, thank you very much. Your full name? My name is Nancy Adesendankwa with um, Paul Pomolis Ghana.
4: Okay, so you are one of the sponsors on board? Yes, yes. Aside, aside being the sponsors, you are equally enjoying the trip. Tell us uh, so far, how has the trip been for you?
10: The trip has been very great. I like the fact that since we came, we've been having a lot of police and military escorts. So we know that our safety is assured. We're able to go wherever we want to following the right um, means. And today, for instance, going to Pagai was a very nerve-wracking experience because at a point in time, when we were taking pictures, the crocodiles were moving and everybody was scared. But because the tourist guides were with us, we were sure that we are being taken good care of. There was not going to be any casualties. So it was a very great experience. And kudos to see this CCFM, CCTV for doing this, because it's important that as Ghanians, we get to know every nook and cranny of Ghana. And for instance, I'm enjoying my Tozafi and Ayoyo. I was about to
4: ask, was your place almost empty,
8: <laughs> what really did you eat?
10: So I had the Tozafi and Ayoyo, I had it yesterday at the other hotel we went to, and then I had the tear again, because I realized it's very, it's very different from what I've had in Accra. Obviously Accra has been diluted but yeah you have it in the home the the home of origin and so you get to enjoy the meal in this school. Clothes. So yeah, that have been enjoyed it and City if it wasn't for City I wouldn't be here enjoying original schools that here. But we've
4: managed to take you across
8: the country. We took you to a foreign land. what was that experience for you?
10: I can finally say that I've travelled outside of Ghana. <laughs> Um, But going to Burkina Paso was an eye-opener. We got got to realize that um, our our border demarcation was done in such a way that we didn't take into consideration the kind of relationships we have with our neighbors. Because you can clearly see the similarities between those in Ghana, those in Paga, and those in the um, neighboring town we went to. They are so similar, even in their languages and what they say. it was a very interesting experience seeing that. And I got to practice my two-by-four French that I've learned. So, yes, it was a very good experience. We're
4: looking forward to the Red Clay Studio experience this evening. Uh, It's going to be live on TV. Uh, Are you going to position yourself such that your your friends who actually missed the opportunity to be on the bus would catch a glimpse of you?
10: Yes, definitely, I would. And as you can see, a lot of the patrons have been enjoying their time and smiling, obviously because COVID is sponsoring. So we are giving them our toothpaste. They are able to brush their teeth every morning and evening and can show their 32 teeth in all the pictures that they take. So they will definitely see them shining their teeth live on TV at the Red Clay Studios. Yeah.
8: That's interesting. Let's switch to another patron here. Welcome to City News. I
4: um, what has been the experience you can describe for us.
11: Hello, thank you. Um, the experience has been phenomenal for me, you know. Um, because I was thinking, Okay, how could I have made all this trip? Like how could I have gone all over the country, like we're touring fourteen regions, it's no joke. Fourteen out of sixteen, you've almost covered all sixteen. So I'm like, Okay, this is a great opportunity that City has brought to the world also Ghanaians. And so for me it's a lifetime experience. I'd want to do this over and over and over and over again as long as I live. Because you see, there's this thing that travel and see. Travel and see is not limited to overseas. It's just you you know, around you, your surroundings. Go out of your immediate environment and explore other places. And that's exactly what Titi has brought to us. And so for me, it's a lifetime experience. Like I said, I'll do it again, over and over again. And I can't wait to see the, 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 the red clay studios. I can't wait to see the red clay studios. What stood out for me this afternoon was the, um, with the Paga crocodile pond, because I was told that, that crocodile there is like an old man is one zero two years old, what? and it was so friendly and we were told that what it was discovered by a certain hunter and it's been tamed and so we took up we took like we had a of photos with this crocodile and it was never harmful to us and for, for an animal of 102 years old to be tamed to be friendly to human beings i think that's that's, that's amazing yeah
8: yeah we hope uh, we are hoping that probably after the red clip, uh, which is going to be live on tv actually Right. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to wake
4: up again as early as 4 a.m. Tell us about the transport uh, experience, traveling from one point to the other. Uh, have you ever been on a bus for quite a long period? such as?
11: Never. Yesterday, we traveled for about 12 hours, and I thought that was the longest. But Omar will t- tell us this evening that we're going to have a longer journey tomorrow. To from Tamale to Senari, and I look forward to it because, see, um, road trips, road trips are are wonderful. Especially when you have a very safe, um, safe transportation. But for example, we trust STC that um, you know, they can take to the longer haul, and we trust Goil and we do fuel all the buses, and so we trust Goil for, uh, for supplying quality fuels for all the vehicles, and so traveling that long haul, man. I've never had it before. Thanks to the, to the FM, um Heritage Caravan for making this road trip a reality. Thank you. Yes.
4: I would want to uh, ask the very last question before I take leave of you, uh, which is what would be that one word you would want to use to describe this whole experience while we look ahead to tomorrow's journey?
11: Phenomenal.
4: Thank you very much. So, Ni, nee, you've heard it right there. It's been phenomenal, some of them say, and they are enjoying it thus far. The food they had, ayoyo, uh, you can think of any local meal teaser. Actually, um, uh, I, I, I just don't want to even continue <laughs> for it to start calling
1: me. run <laughs> out world. of words, I but know. I can imagine, aside from the excitement, there's also that education bit on yeah. the heritage caravan but we want to thank you so much fred duho a uh, man with the heritage caravan team uh, they are currently in tamale preparing to visit the red clay studio in that region it's day four and then as and when they continue in that a uh, one-week trip to 14 regions in the country we'll be giving you more updates here on city 97.3 fm and also city tv but that's it for tonight's edition of Eyewitness News, it came to you live from our studios at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka here in Accra. My name is Nii Latte Latte. Show was produced by Beverly Landon, Corbona Wilson, and then also Sammy Riafe. Earlier I was here with um, Akosua Autry. Technical support by Daniel Squashi. Eyewitness News returns tomorrow at exactly 17.30 GMT. There is more news when you visit our website, citynewsroom.com. Have a good night.
8: City News, we speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City97.3 FM and on Twitter at City973.